How's it going? It's good to be with you on two feet this morning, as opposed to three. A friend of mine likes to call me tripod past several weeks. He's in the room. I'll leave him anonymous. <laughs> so, um, this morning we're going to talk about serving. Um, it, actually, this this uh, what we're going to do uh, regarding serving is going to be twofold. So it's going to be this morning, and then we're going to do a two part. So next week. So this morning, I just want to kind of define and really try to dive into several scriptures that talk about this idea of serving. And then next week, we're going to begin to look at what, what does a lifestyle look like that allows the kind of service that the Bible describes in the life of Jesus demonstrated. Because we can talk a lot about here's what serving is and here's what serving means, um, but if we don't structure the kind of lifestyle that Jesus uh, expects of us and calls us to, um, we're going to always struggle to actually serve in the way that he's called us to. Um, it's just going to constantly be a fight. And so that's where we're headed. Um, I do, I do want to pray um, before, uh, before we go any further. So pray with me. Mighty God, We just stop right now. And God, I beg for your presence to just invade us. God, that your living, active, eternal word would penetrate our hearts. God, I have nothing to add to the conversation this morning. I come weak and broken. And so, God, I just I beg for your spirit right now to move in power, that your word would be alive, that your word would speak, that your word would open our eyes to see the servant that you were and you are in the heavenlies and even in our midst. And so, would you engage us as you would see fit this morning? And may we never be the same as a result. In Christ's name, amen. So, um, loaded question. Okay, here we go. Uh, how many of you came here this morning um, expecting to get something out of this? You're like, I already said a loaded question. So you raise your hand. I'm, it's a setup, right? Um, no, and there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that, right? Now, our natural tendency when we do many things is like, what, what am I going to gain from this? What am I going to get out of this? Um, rarely or it's it's difficult to to get our minds and get our lives to the place where we i'm going to go and give expecting nothing in return i'm going to go and be a blessing right um can, can you can you think of times maybe even in this past week where you went and you did something and you're like that was a total waste of my time i got nothing out of that maybe it was work right um here's your job and you're just like oh my gosh like um but what i want us to see this morning when we dive into the scriptures is that first and foremost the kingdom of god is upside down backwards and inside out 
right? The things that the world tells us we should do, God's like, well, I do it the complete opposite, and I'm calling you to a life that's the complete opposite. And it's hard, and we hate that, because there's a fight, there's a natural fight against how we tend to want to live and how we're taught to live by popular culture, and even the church oftentimes, from how we see the life of Jesus. And like this whole picture of return on investment, right? Right? Well, what's, if I invest this amount, what, what am I going to get? What, what am I going to gain? Now, I'm not throwing that out. I'm not saying we should negate return on investment and like we should all go bankrupt in the name of Jesus. I'm not negating that, okay? I'm not trying to point that. But what I, what I want us to look at and what I want us to consider this morning is, are several texts that show that oftentimes when we talk about serving, it's motivated by a, an agenda that God never really had and never really desires for our service. Um, there's, a, there's an interesting story in, in the Bible where several of the guys who walked closest with Jesus get in this fight about who's the greatest. And there's actually a mom involved, which kind of adds some funniness to the story, uh, because the mom like goes to Jesus, and, and this is all of us, if you're a parent, this is us, like we want our kids to succeed, and we want them to be the best, and we want them to graduate from the best schools, and get the best jobs, and make great incomes, and change the world, right? So this mom says to Jesus, what do my kids got to do to be right by you in heaven? Like one on your right and one on your left. And he just begins to re- basically lovingly rebuke this mom and then call these guys forward and be like, you think you can handle what, what you really think you're, you're asking for here? Like, you, you, can you drink the cup that I'm, ga- I'm going to drink? Like really just questioning, I, I don't know you realize what you're asking for. And then it continues on. And in this passage, This is in Matthew 20. He says, Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so, out of the gate, what I want us to see is that servanthood flows out of the, the character of God. Okay? If we don't see that, then, then, then servanthood is just going to become this obligation, something that we're just supposed to do, rather than seeing that it flows out of the identity that God's forming and shaping in us as the people of God by His Holy Spirit. Okay? Vastly different. Otherwise, it just becomes, oh, I just got to do this because Dad tells me to, versus no, like, this is who I am. This is who I was made to be because this is who God is. Okay, Because before the beginning of time, you have the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who are serving one another for, for all of eternity. They've been serving one another in community with one another for all of eternity. And then it flows in, into the created order and into all that we see in the biblical narrative and then into the life of Jesus on earth. It's huge. It's huge. Because think about service for a second, right? Um, how many of you, maybe ever like been a waiter, waitress? Right? Um, any of you motivated by, hey, if I serve really well, I'm going to get a good tip. 
right? Right? Okay, anybody not tip somebody because their service was, or gave a really low tip or um, because their service was bad, right? Okay. Um, husbands like to serve to win affection, right? Well, if I do this, then yes. Kids, right? Like, do we need, do we need a moment? Okay. <laughs> Say it without saying it? Okay. We're on the same page? Okay. Kids, are there things you do because you know, well, mom will let me do this or dad will let me do this? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those in school, are there certain, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put investment into this project because this is going to be the result, or I'm going to, like, stay after class, and, hey, can I, like, sweep your room for you? Um, oh, by the way, that, that F I got on that paper, you think we could work something out there? Because I want to try to, you know. Th- there's, there's an agenda that's not in, in, intrinsically evil, but there, there's, a, there's a motivation and an agenda that's going to point back to what am I going to gain here, Right? Maybe sometimes we serve the poor because it makes us feel better. Jesus served because he was a servant. Plain and simple. He served because he was a servant. He gave his life as a ransom because that's who he was. Um, Grab your Bible and go to John 13. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here in this passage. If you've been around church for very long, you automatically know where, where we're headed. Um, but I, I just want to point out a couple things, and then where I want to spend the bulk of our time is a passage in Luke that I think is going to squash, squash us big time. Um, this is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Let me point out a few things as we define and think through service in light of who Jesus was. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, let me stop there. What's about to happen? Jesus is about ready to die, okay? Um, He's very close to fulfilling his time on earth, his mission sent by his Father to... um, fulfill a life of perfection on earth through his work and ministry on earth, and he's about ready to, to die. And I find it really interesting, the words here, where it, it's talking about the disciples, and, and it specifically says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. How? How does Jesus love disciples is who it's talking about here specifically. How does he love them to the end? Well, it tells the story of something that happened. What happened? Well, they were eating dinner during supper when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, 
Do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Let me stop for a second. So, if you're not familiar, the, the thing about this story, what makes foot washing such a heinous reality is that, that, that feet and handling shoes and washing feet was like the slaves, like the lowest of the lowest job. And here you have God doing that job. God doing the slave's job of washing the feet of the disciples. Um, I'm, just to parenthetically insert, um, how often are we like Peter? You're not, not going to wash my feet. And, and do any of you struggle with being served? Like some of you are like, no, like, like come on, like you get, sit back and you serve me. Like, but any, like some of us, like having somebody serve you? Like when I was on crutches, um, like, I, I like to do a lot of things, like, myself. Um, like, people had to help me put my socks on. It's humbling. Like, my kids constantly were like, Daddy, can we do this? Daddy, can, Daddy, can we do that? They were constantly serving me in ways that I'm like, I, sh- I can normally do those things, okay? It's humbling. Sometimes, but sometimes we're like Peter, and we're like, no, 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 no. And Jesus essentially rebukes him. Um... Or how often do we walk in the temptation where we won't let the Son of God serve us by giving us His righteousness and His perfection, and we believe we have to work for it every single day of our life? It's just like Peter. He said, oh, like, I want to wash you. I want to be your perfection. I want to be your righteousness. I want to be your holiness. I want to lavish that on you. No, no, no. No, Don't wash me. But look what I'm doing. Look how good I am. When he had washed their feet and put put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, one of the things that I think sets apart It really helps us see how we are as servants. It's something we see from this passage regarding how Jesus served the very one he knew was going to disown him. So, if we want to gaze into how we serve, we have to begin to look at how do we engage with those we don't like. 
or those who are well, essentially our enemies. Because he, here's the truth. Um, we're really good at surrounding ourselves with people who benefit us. Like naturally speaking, right? Um, we surround our lives with people that are going to help us. They're, they're going to improve our life. They're going to be a good friend. Like naturally, these are the kind of people we, we surround ourselves with. It's interesting how often Jesus surrounded himself by people who could add no quantitative or qualitative element to his life. Right? Like, I, I, even as I was preparing this, I'm like, I'm convicted, like, who, who is in my life that essentially offers me nothing but the opportunity to serve to bless them, but they're giving me nothing in return? Except the blessing of that. Do you, like, do you see that? Do you see, you see that, that tension? Right? But so often we're so good at surrounding ourselves with people who we're going to benefit from. Right? Like, what's, what's the return on my investment? Like, I'm going to give to this relationship because you're going to give me something back, right? We gotta, we gotta push against that. That's not, that's the natural in the flesh, but the spirit wants us to to come and and look for opportunities that, under the spirit's influence, we would be able to bless people that could never, never pay us back. Actually, let me show you where this that's in the where this is at in the Bible. Go to Luke six. I don't just want you to believe words coming out of my mouth, but I want to show you. The truth of the word. Because I stand here with no authority apart from what this book and the Lord says. So Luke 6, I'm going to start at 27. But I say to you who hear, interesting words right there. Will you hear this? But I say to you who hear, you're like, well, everyone hears. Well, no, they don't. Some of you will reject these words. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Does that make anybody's skin crawl? What? What? Like, what did that just say? Okay, mine too. Because I got some good ideas for people who do me wrong, right? Like, I'm going to get, like, okay, sorry. Let's go back to the Bible. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer him the other. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. That's like you're getting robbed and the guy takes your TV and you're like, oh, did you get the, I got a PS4 downstairs. Did you get that? Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. Now, here's, here's where it gets good. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Boy, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. Because that's what we do. And it's easy to do. And it's natural to do. 
right? Parents, it's easy to love your kids when they're like doing what you want them to do. Bosses, it's easy to be in favor and love your employees when they're like producing the kind of work and the kind of product and they're showing up and they're being who they're supposed to be, right? If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even, even sinners love those who love them. So what, what the Scripture's doing here, what Jesus is doing here, is he's pointing out a life that's distinct among the believer from a, from a life of the unregenerate, untransformed heart. That if you're a believer in Jesus Christ in here, your life should look distinctively different. And here's one example. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So it's not saying, um, hey, don't do good to people who, like, you, you shouldn't have, like, this reciprocal relationship alone. Or, okay, so, like, don't love people who love you back. You should have all people who don't love. And it's not saying that. But it's saying there should be something about the life of a believer that that says, we're different. This isn't the only way we live. I exist to serve people, plain and simple, to bless them. 34, and if you lend to those to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Okay, let's stop for a second. Do you guys like to loan stuff out? Okay, um, I want you to think of something you've loaned out recently that you have not gotten back. You, you think of anything? Like, I think I have a list somewhere in my, like, in my Evernote of, like, things I've loaned out, who I loaned it out to, so I can get it back. Like, anybody struggle with, like, or, like, you go to loan something out, and you're like, who am I, who am I giving this to? Okay. Um, oh, no, I, I can't. I don't have that. Sorry. <laughs> I already loaned that out. Um, right? Okay. Getting our toes stepped on. And if you lend to those to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But... Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. It's crazy. It's hard. Um, several years ago, several years ago, uh, our church was presented with an opportunity to serve a family. Uh, they went through... Uh, a fire in their home. And if you've been around for several years, you might remember this specific instance. They went through a fire in their home. And we rallied. We, we gathered clothing. We gathered money. Some of us went to their home. And we just loved them. And they were around for about a month. And we just loved and served them. They, they didn't come giving money. And they brought their presents and their awesome family. Okay? He, this individual called me at one point. 
really struggling financially. Uh, we as a church helped them move, uh, paid a lot of money to help them move, out, uh, move to a new home. He called me and was in a really tough situation. He's like, hey, I need some money. And I was like, you know, okay, yeah, that's, that, we, we can do that. And so loaned him some money. And he just like, after that, just fell off the grid. Called him up. Hey, man, what's going on? How can we help? How can we serve you? Listen, I, I know I loaned you about $300. Listen, if you're not answering your phone because you, like, you can't pay that back, like, listen, man, I, I don't care about that. Like, how can we help you? How can we as a church serve you? Never, I've never seen them again in several years. Listen, that's a win. But let me add to that. That's a hard win, if I can just be honest. That's a hard win because, I, you know, you, you want to you, you serve and you want to bless. And we did as a church tremendously. But we don't see the tangible fruit of, okay, what impact? Did, did they come to know Jesus? I don't, I don't know. I know God was working in their life. But, but listen... And do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. That's what it means to serve to bless. Expecting nothing in return. We're here to give, to bless you, and that's it. And in the midst of that, we're praying that God would grab a hold of your heart and God would would draw your heart into his presence. But we're going to give lavishly and serve lavishly. That's what we did with that family. And that's a win. It's a hard win, but it's a win because it's what Jesus defines as, as serving. It's what Jesus defines as loving because there's nothing special about loving people who just love you back. It's easy, right? Well, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but I want you to see this because it keeps going. Expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. It's like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Like, what do we do with that? Because we're sitting here talking about serving to bless and not for any personal gain. But yet Jesus says, when you serve to bless... With simply only to be the tangible presence of Jesus in how you live your life, in how you give of your time, of your energy, of your money, of your stuff. Great is your reward. And I, I'm incredibly confident that there's, there's areas of life where you and I, we give and we serve and we serve to bless and we don't see the tangible fruit of, like, what did I get out of that? But the promise keeper here says the reward's great. You might not see it in this life. It's another hard win. You might not see it in this life, but great is your reward. And look at what it says. And you will be sons of the Most High. Okay? 
We are never acting more like God than when we serve. Hear that. Because that's who God is. When we serve. For you will be sons of the Most High. You will be children of God. For when we serve to bless with no agenda, but to manifest the presence of Jesus through His people. That's why we exist. We don't exist to just come here, clap, sing some songs, listen to some guy talk, be, you know, get a breather from the kids, and then get back to it. We are the people of God who manifest the presence of God in and through our lives. That's why we exist. It's to serve to bless. And I love how it's attached, how, how the scriptures attach it to identity. Because you know, um, statistically, girls who grow up without a dad statistically show that they go on to find ways to fill the void that that lack of dad gave to them, they find ways to fill that. Guys as well. But kids who grow up without a dad, so their identity is changed. Their, their, their influence is changed because that void is there. And what I, the reason why I point that out is because here we see a God who gives us an identity as a servant. Like when you, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ... You don't, come, you don't enter into consumership. It's not a word, but we'll go with it. Okay? You enter into a life of servanthood. You enter into a life of, this is not my own. I exist to bless. I exist to give. And some of you... Are struggling with the lie that you can outgive God. It's crazy because when we look at the character of God and this falling out of the character of God, God doesn't become a servant with the sending of his son into the world. Okay? God started as a servant when he created the universe and he comes down to the earth and he plants a garden and he forms. Man, and he forms woman, women in Genesis chapter 2. And then the servanthood continues through the salvation of Egypt. And even in Exodus 13, and when God takes the slave's job of carrying the torch by night and the canopy by day, as God leads the Israelites through the desert, serving them with his presence. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. One writer says this, God is master as servant. God exercises creative and redemptive power through servanthood. In the same way, Jesus doesn't come to earth to become a servant. He comes as a servant to reveal who God is. As servant, Jesus is not simply identifying with us. Rather, he is showing us who God is. It is not so much God becoming like us as God inviting us to become like him. Our celebration of service 
isn't a move from master to servant, but from isolation and self-security to a way of service that reflects the servant nature of our master. Listen, the Christian life will always be an obligation, will always be a burden, it will always be a duty until we grasp and begin to walk in this idea of serving to bless. Serving with no agenda. Because it's crazy, even in this political, this stressful political season, the agendas that are present, right? Like when you want to accomplish something, you have an agenda that you want to see fulfilled. It's the way the world operates. It's the way that we're every day pulled in to operate. That what am I going to gain? So you might ask, what in the world does this have to do with the series Speaking of Jesus? Here's how I, here's how I would sum it up. It's living a life that demands a gospel explanation. That's what it is. When we serve to bless, people look at us and they're like, like why? Why? Can I just encourage you, if wherever God's planted you, whether it be your workplace, whether it be where your kids go to school, wherever you have an open door, serve. Get in there and say, how can I help? What can I do? And here's the reaction. I'm going to tell you, here's the reaction you're going to get initially. People are going to kind of be backing up and they're kind of going to be like, okay, like what, what's, what's your agenda? They're not going to say that. Well, some of them might, but they're not going to, most of them aren't going to say that, but they're going to, they're going to have, kind of have their guard up because they're going to be convinced that you're here and you want something out of this. You're here for some type of agenda. And here's my encouragement to you where God gives that open door for you to serve in that capacity in a way just to bless. Is that in the midst of that, you continue to press through and you show them, I'm here to bless you. And I'll just tell you what's going to happen. If God's given you a person of peace and God's given you an open door, eventually that wall's going to break down. It might take, it might take years. Or you can begin to show them, listen, I'm not here for an agenda. I'm not here to, to, to get this out of it. I'm here to be a blessing to you. And what's amazing is that opens the door for the spoken word of the gospel to say, when they say, like, like, why do you do this? Because when you're persistent in a place where God opens a door, there's going to come a point where there's going to be a conversation. Someone's going to be like, why are you so stinking generous? Well, let me tell you about a God who's generous and hospitable. And let me tell you about Jesus. That's what it looks like to serve, to bless. But here's what I, wanna, what I want you to get, is that this requires the presence of God. So, one of the things that I want to challenge you with is to identify a neighbor. By neighbor, I don't mean like the person that lives next to you, although it could be that, but someone that you frequently see. I want you to begin to pray for them, begin to think through by the Spirit, how can I serve to bless them? 
I don't care if you like them or don't like them, if the Spirit puts them on your heart, how can I serve to bless them? Begin to write down some ideas. But listen, as you think about that and as you seek to do that, you need the Spirit of God and the presence of God to empower you and enable you because what you're bringing to them isn't your awesome service. But it's the presence of God through that service. To actually be an eternal blessing to them, which comes through the person, through the person of God. Listen, you can't outgive God. Maybe you've never experienced the kind of thing I'm talking about because you, you you've always tried to serve with an agenda. I'm here because this is what I'm going to gain. I'm here because this is what I'm going to get out of this. And you've never experienced the abundance of great is your reward. Because you've never taken God up on that. I would just lovingly say, gosh, he's inviting you into that. That that's who he's calling you to be as his child. Let's pray. And let's prepare to respond to the Lord. Before I voice a prayer, I just want to—I just want to invite you into. All, I mean, all of us. It doesn't matter where you at. It doesn't matter if you're naturally good at serving to bless, or maybe that's hard for you. All of us, God's wanting to do a work to to destroy the agendas in our heart regarding service. All of us, He wants to do a work in our hearts, and He wants to show you that He is extravagant in his, in his gifts and extravagant in his love. If we would embrace and let him be that. So where do we need to repent and rest in the character of Jesus? God, I ask that you would work right now. God, thank you for serving us. Thank you for serving us with your son. Thank you for serving us with yourself. And God, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. You would, by your Holy Spirit, draw us in to what it means to be a people that are marked by serving without an agenda. That's who you are. God, teach us to love our enemies. Teach us to love those that are hard to love. God, mold and shape us. Thank you for serving us. We submit to your presence now in Jesus' name.